everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, it's Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How's it going, James? It's going pretty good, man. How are you? Good. Finally got to watch some football after like six years or however long the off season is. Seems like it, right? Yep. Nice. All right. Uh, you want to go over any of the trades you had closing or anything you got into last week? Yeah. So I did have a couple closing trades. Um, I sold my NIO shares. Uh, the announcement came out about the offering of up to $2 billion uh in shares so i was like oh man i'm getting out of this thing it started to tank they were having a really nice rally i guess that was on the 7th and uh they were pumping really nice and then that story came out and i was like oh man this thing's probably gonna tank hard so i dumped my shares at 39.19 they're trading down under 38 right now so they haven't died off too bad actually i thought they were gonna you know tank hard immediately and it wasn't so bad but I was kind of looking at their chart too, and I was like, I could see them dying off quite a bit more in the next week or two. Um, so that was a closing trade there. And then I dumped my uh, Russell 2000 futures contract. I think I was up like 260 bucks or something on that. And uh, just kind of wanted to free up some uh, margin there in case we had something crazy going into this Friday. Um, the market started to get volatile and stuff last week and things started to sell off. So I'm kind of hoping that that'll continue this week. I want to say that this Friday uh, is the quad witching because the futures are expiring uh, this Friday. So I know we've seen some pretty crazy volatility, I think in June, uh when the future contracts expired i remember everything dumped super hard like spy i think nq hung out pretty good but like spy and dow futures tanked um and that's when i did my last swing trade on dow uh futures and then things have been just right and high since then so i'm kind of hoping man <laughs> it's been pretty much a run since late june there hasn't really been any big sell-offs or anything in the indexes so yeah, I just want to free up some margin just in case like NQ tanks this week or maybe SPY or uh, Dow Futures tank pretty hard this week. Um, I'll have some capital available to trade that. Um, the Russell, we've talked about this in the past, like the Russell 2000 Futures. Um, it's just kind of like a funny chart. It's not really the same as like Dow or NASDAQ or S&P where it's just kind of a slow climb has its little pullbacks and, uh, you know, just continues to climb. The Russell 2000 <clears throat> more of was like a big run up after the Corona crash. And then it's just pretty much been trading within a range uh, for a long time. So um, I was kind of hoping they would have went up and set a new high by now, uh, or at least tested the recent high, but they just been kind of chopping around and uh, I was like, well, I'm already up on the trade and I would really like to get into something else, uh, you know, futures wise, if it sells off. So um, 
those were my two closers. And then what did I have on opening trades? Gone on a few openers here. We had the short week, so it looks like I only got on four opening trades. Um, these are all for the October monthlies. Um, I sold a put on KRE. I think that's a retail, or is that a retail or a banking ETF? Let me look that up. That thing was like a retail. Nope, that's the regional banking. So I sold the 56 put there for October 15th. Um, another thing I sold was a call spread on IWM. So that's for October 15th. Uh, 231 is the short strike there. Um, GDX, man, this is another one that Gold got beat down pretty good, and then it had a little bit of a bounce, and now it's starting to get beat down again. It hasn't been too bad as of late, but um, so I kind of see gold starting to sell off a little bit again, and I'm just like, man, I just don't see it continuing to get beat down. So I went out on GDX and sold the 30 put. Um, that one is expiring uh, October 15th, and then... Uh, EWZ, we've talked a lot about this one lately too, and uh, with them getting beat down and having a nice little pump, they're starting to get beat down again. So I sold another put for October, um, the 34 strike, and that one isn't too far from being out of the money. Let me see, because they died again. Yeah, they died again on Friday pretty hard. So that's only 60 cents away from being in the money. So I'm down, you know, pretty big on that right now, but. I like my chances uh, by the time October 15th rolls around that that thing's out of the money. Yeah, EWC, actually, let me pull it up. What's your strike? 34, so it's like right almost at the money right now. Yeah, you should be safe. They're like, they've come down and tried to blast through 34, one, two, uh, like four times in the past little over a month. Or no less than a month and just couldn't do it so yeah i like your chances yeah i'm looking at it right now too i've got the daily pulled up and yeah they definitely came down and touched that and got rejected hard a couple times so yeah i just if they fall through that oh my goodness that's going to be ugly because it looks like the low previous to that was like around 26 27 so geez i hope that 34 level holds yeah. Um, I had a boring week. So the only closing trade I had, uh, my Zillow call spread I had expired this week. So I went max profit on that. My short call was 99. Getting a little bit worried. <clears throat> but then when the market started selling off, they sold off super hard. So I'm going max profit on that. Um, uh, like you, when as soon as that NIO news came out, I sold my shares at, I want to say it was a small loss, but, you know, a loss anyways. I just, yeah, I'm going to wait for a bottom after they said something like that. And then I thought about it, man. If you read the article, they say that they're basically just doing, asking permission to do it whenever they want. Like they're saying, okay, can we, if we need to, sell $2 billion shares or $2 billion worth of shares? And so I was thinking, man, maybe they might not sell off super hard because they're just basically saying they're not doing it now, but they want it, that in their back pocket in case they have to. So it's probably why they didn't sell off as hard as they should have, even like coming out with 
asking something like that sounds really stupid unless you were planning on doing it. Uh, so yeah, anyways, I sold my shares. I'm going to wait for them to bottom out and get back in. Again, it's a company that I wouldn't mind uh, bag holding, you know, for the rest of my life or in, until China and America start screwing around again and, you know, they get delisted. But I like the company, so I'm going to wait a little bit and probably jump right back in. Um, that, double check. Yeah, those are the only closing trades I had. And then I had, oh, no, no, I went long AMC on Tuesday, I believe it was. I set a limit order to buy once they broke above this level that they hadn't broken through yet. And I went long AMC shares, working out really good. I think I'm up uh, we got 12% right now on the shares. Got my stop loss in immediately because uh, these guys could die off at any second. So, you know, should be a profitable trade either way. Hopefully, keep on pumping and it becomes very profitable with that mother of all short squeezes that I've been hearing about for like eight years now. Um, and that was it. Uh, SOS. Some news on SOS finally came out. So I've been bag holding on these guys forever. And they didn't haven't reported earnings. They haven't done anything. They haven't came out and told the investors anything of what they were doing since, God, I think it's been like six, seven months. And then they were like two quarters behind on earnings. Uh, they released earnings. And it was kind of a crappy time to do it with Bitcoin getting beaten down or all crypto getting beaten down so bad. And the market in general sell-off. I feel like if they could have timed that a little better, they could have had a bigger pop. Uh, but they did have a pretty good run-up. It's still, you know, bag-holding on them and at a loss right now. But hopefully crypto keeps pumping. Now that they've released their earnings, they, you know, keep it up and start telling people what the hell they're going to do next and, you know, keep people in the loop, investors. And uh, this thing kind of tracks up. And then, yeah, that, yeah, that was all I had going on. Nice, man. Yeah, I was really surprised to see the news come out on SOS because it's just a not not a standard thing. You know, like companies are usually reporting earnings quarterly or whatever. And like, you know, to see somebody come out and say like, oh, these are our six month numbers. And it's just it was really weird. But then, you know, I saw them pumping hard. They were up over three dollars. So they were cooking pretty good. And then they backed off later in the day. Um, but yeah, they had a nice rally there. I was kind of thinking about getting back in on SOS after seeing that news. Um, but they were up around like, I want to say 310 or 315 or something pretty good. And I was just like, ah, they're probably going to back off. You know, I'm going to wait. Maybe they'll go back under three and then I can go long again. And I didn't even pay attention to them. But apparently they closed at like 280 uh, regular trading hours. So, um yeah, I don't know. They're still above that 21-day EMA on the daily, so I don't know. Maybe I'll get back into those guys. Um, I wouldn't, not right now. Like, everyone was freaking out. Mm -hmm. um, over Weeble, of course, to see what people were talking about. And they're, oh, my God, this thing's going to the moon now. Short squeeze. Uh, <laughs> evil hedge funds and all that crap. And then I'm looking at the chart, and I'm like, oh, it's still trading that same triangle. It hasn't broken out of crap. Like, yeah, cool, it was up. Uh, I think it finished, like, up. 8.5%, but that's 22 cents on a cheap stock like this. So, you know, they're over there freaking out, and I'm looking at the chart, and I'm like, oh, wait, it hasn't broken through any sort of uh, resistance, and we're still trading the same pattern. So, you know, until they, until they do, I wouldn't get excited. 
Yeah, I think the same thing kind of happened on Clover. Because remember that one day we were looking at it and they had like, a, I don't even know what it was, 10 or 15% pump in one day and they got above a level. And we were both talking about it and watching it. And we're like, oh man, if they make even a higher move away from here, this could be, you know, the crazy short squeeze that all the apes are, you know, waiting for, and they've been holding, you know, bag holding on this thing forever. And then like the next three days, they just tanked. Like it was this huge bull candle and then they just died completely. And I think you sent me an article, something about their financial situation isn't looking too good. So um, yeah, it could be another, you know, scenario like that. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like I get the whole movement they're trying to do they're trying to suck up the flow and you know make it impossible for anyone that's short to cover so then they can get you know these insane prices but i just i it to me like going on to weeble and stock twits and people will post uh their p l on their stuff and you know some guys have made insane amounts of money on it but there's the vast majority of them are still at a loss because they bought when the thing pumped the first time that, you know, with GameStop, Clover, AMC, they bought when it was pumping. They're like, oh, it's going to keep on going up. And they just kept on and kept on trying to average down. And they're at insane losses right now. It's like, why? I'm not interested in, you know, getting into anything just because it's highly shorted. I don't care. It's not my trading style. If if you want to do it, whatever. But why wouldn't you just trade it like I traded AMC? I saw they were at a level. I put my order in to if they broke through this level, buy in and then hope that, you know, the squeeze happens from there. I don't get this whole averaging down on crap companies that are on the brink of bankruptcy. Like, I don't care what you say. AMC still struggling because of coronavirus. And they were struggling for like 10 years before that. They were talking about bankruptcy. Um GameStop, same thing. They didn't pivot quickly enough to do digital downloads. Still a crap company. Uh, Clover Health, still in financial trouble. And um, as far as I know, they still have the lawsuits in, what is that, New Jersey or something? The DOJ is going after them. And it's like, these are still crap companies. Like, you think there's going to be a huge squeeze. I, I honestly think there's going to be more likely chance that these companies go bankrupt before there's like this mother of all short squeezes where everyone becomes a billionaire on amc yeah i think that was like the GameStop one and i think a lot of people are just hoping that happens in all of these other you know stocks um but that was pretty epic uh yeah i just don't see that happening in clover happening in amc happening in you know, all of these other stocks. But um, yeah, I don't know. People are loading up their life savings and either, you know, trying to become a millionaire or losing their life savings, <laughs> depending on what happens. I uh, watched the funniest video on, uh, I think it was an AMC, specific, or it may have been Clover, I don't remember. Or some dude talking about uh, how the apes are changing the world and stuff. And it's that, the one I told you about, the dude said, we're not even... We're not looking at charts. Uh, we don't care about what the charts are telling us. We're just in it to support the apes or whatever. Uh, that was the guy that just, and if you've ever been on Wall Street bets before um, before the GameStop thing, where they kind of blew up and the media knew about him, if you went on it before, 
this dude's talking about it's going to change uh, the apes' lives and we're going to make such a better place for the world. Dude, if you went over there before the media got to it, it, their ear on everything and kind of pointed stuff out, those were the most vile, racist, homophobic posts you could ever think. Like, if you ever want to see some, like, super vile posts, you saw it on Wall Street Bets. So, yeah, yeah, those are great guys that are going to change the world for the better. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense, dude. It's like a freaking cult, man. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I remember you were telling me about that video. I think the thing you said, he was like, yeah, like you're saying, I'm not looking at charts. I don't care about anything. I'm just buying AMC and I'm going to hold forever and support Ape Nation. And it's like, well, <laughs> it could be, you know, hopefully you don't got your life savings loaded up into them because if they go bankrupt, yeah, it's pretty risky, you know, putting all your capital like into a single stock. And hoping, you know, GameStop type of an epic short squeeze happens. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy and definitely uh, not my trading style either. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I hope they all become billionaires. I hope, you know, I don't care for hedge funds and, you know, big banks shorting the crap out of stuff. But it, it creates liquidity. Um, I don't really care either way. But you're not going to see a bank short the crap out of a good company and it stay down because everyone is going to look at it and be like, oh, my God, that's a great deal and jump in and buy it back up. So, again, cool. I hope the apes, I hope AMC hits five trillion like they say it's going to, you know, whatever. Hope everyone makes money. But, yeah, it's it's just the one of the most risky things I've seen, like buying crap company stocks and then averaging down every time it, you know, hits a new low. Yeah, definitely uh, nothing I'm comfortable with doing either. Um, so for this week, we were talking about it as far as the topic goes, and we wanted to uh, talk about a few options trading strategies. Um, I know I've used these quite a bit, probably not as much as like an iron condor or something like that, but I have used them quite a bit. And uh, one of them is the strangle. So typically I've sold the strangle um, on different stocks and ETFs. Um, I think the few times that I bought a strangle, uh, I went max loss. So, but that's pro that's probably true for any option strategy for me though. Um, usually when I buy options, uh, it doesn't work out. Like it doesn't make as big, you know, especially out of the money options it doesn't really make the move that I needed to make. So most of my strangles I've traded have been selling. Um, and pretty much if you've never traded the strangle, you're looking at a call, you're looking at a put, um, you got different strike prices and you've got um, the same expiration. So as an example, my favorite ticker space, um, they're trading or they closed right around $25 on Friday. And uh, if I were to sell a strangle on space, I could go up and like sell the 30 call, which is about $5 away from the money. And let's just say that's for like October 15th, the October monthlies. And then I could go down and sell the 20 put. So I could be like $5 away on either side. Um, and whatever credit I grab there would be, you know, my maximum profit. And since these are uncovered options on either side, technically the risk is going to be unlimited. 
because uh, to the upside, to the call side, you know, space could go to a billion dollars a share. So that's where you're kind of have that unlimited risk on the put side. You don't have as much risk if you sold like a 20 put um, and space went bankrupt and then went to zero. You know, most you can lose there on a single contract is two grand, but the call side there is really where you're getting open to, um, you know, unlimited loss. Um, so definitely on stocks, it'd be a lot riskier, something like GameStop. Um, if you sold a call on GameStop, like let's say when they were trading at like $10 a share and you sold you know, a 20 call on them or something, and then they went to 500. Geez, man, you're going to be screwed pretty hard. It's going to be a lot of money. Um, but like on an ETF, it's going to be a lot safer if you want to go out and sell strangles because uh, ETFs or indexes and things like that don't make those kind of insane moves. Like you're not going to see the NASDAQ uh, go up 100% in a day or 200% in a day. So I don't know, could soon. <laughs> well, it seems that way, right? Um, so you can definitely, you know, uh, trade on some ETFs or indexes or something like that if you want to kind of get some exposure to the strangle, but you don't want to really put yourself at that much risk. Um, I'm not, honestly, I don't do a lot of the naked calls anymore like you would see in a strangle. I usually try to do a spread or an iron condor or something like that. Um, lately I've been doing, uh, my only, well, not really. Yeah, I guess I would still be naked options on the higher price stuff, but, um, usually I'll just sell puts, um, if I'm going to sell something that has no protection. Um, but you know, if you're open to that kind of risk and, you know, selling a naked call, a strangle, uh, is definitely, a good strategy that you can use and I've been really successful with it. I know I do more of the spreads and iron condors for the most part nowadays, but when I remember for a while there, I was just like trading strangles every week. I think I was doing it on like Apple. Um, what else was it? Like maybe AT&T, Verizon, NPC. There were a few tickers that I just sat there and traded strangles on every week. Uh, I think Walmart was in there too. Maybe Target. Yeah, I think Walmart and Target were in there, but I was just doing like strangles every week, every week. And I think one one of those trades actually went against me. I think it was Apple and I think it was on the call side like one week, but pretty much all that other credit I collected on all those other stocks week in, week out was just money in the bank because I was doing like, I think 30 deltas or, well, actually that's probably going a little further because um, those were naked or single options there. So um, I could still get a good amount of credit and go really far away from the money. Um, so it's definitely a strategy that, you know, I would recommend if you're open to having, you know, unlimited risk or, you know, those naked positions, the strangle is a great way to sell out of the money options and play both sides of the market and uh definitely something that's uh, made me a lot of money before so if you're not looking for like the unlimited risk technically an iron condor is just a strangle with protection right yeah you just got the call a little higher up that you buy and then the put a little lower down that you buy yep but same exact 
you know, grabbing credit on both sides of the market. But yeah, you're defining that risk and, you know, you're not open to uh, margin calls because you sold a strangle on GameStop. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to just go over to our website and uh, anyone that's listening to this you can go over to wstrades.com and look up all of these uh, terms that we're talking about under our education tab and then you would go down to option education and then you have all of the different uh, strategies you got bearish option stra- strategies bullish option neutral option and uh, volatility which one of these is for volatility and that would be uh, the long or what I'm going to talk about is the long straddle. And I'm just going to read straight from all this comes from the OCC. So it's, you know, the Bible of options. So you can take, you know, whatever's on the website to heart. Uh, for a long straddle, you would buy one call and then buy one put at the same strike. And you're looking for, if you're doing this, you're looking for a large move in either direction because, you know, if it moves, way higher or way lower then obviously you know say it moves way higher than your put becomes worthless but that call becomes you know worth even more so you're looking for a really quick move because the uh, theta also kicks in and the time erosion kind of screws you whenever you're long anything so you're looking for you know if you're thinking something maybe earnings or you know someone's coming out with a new invention and you heard some news whatever and you think something's going to move one way or the other uh, then a long straddle, you know, could be the ticket. And I don't, I've only done this, I think, twice before. Isn't the straddle and the iron butterfly the same thing, but you're doing the protection side, kind of like iron condors and strangles? Yeah, exactly. The iron butterfly does have the protection, but yeah, you have the uh, call and put at the same strike. Yep. Okay. And then, um, so anyways, if you go to the website that shows examples of how you would put this trade on uh, from Thinkorswim, it shows you the P&L graph, you know, what it would look like if, you know, the price moved in, you know, whatever direction. Uh, it gives you the outlook, you know, you're looking for a sharp move in the stock price in either direction during the life of the option uh, because of the effect of two premium outlays on the break even, the investor opinion is fairly strong held and time specific so you have to basically it has to move quickly uh, in one direction you don't want to be you know holding a long straddle because you're just going to be you know if the stock doesn't move much then you're just i guarantee the theta is just going to kill the options price and it gives you uh options your maximum loss would just be the premium you paid because you're long the options and your maximum gain would be unlimited you know, because you're long a call, so it could go to a billion like AMC is going to do next week. And then, you know, you have unlimited gain. Then it goes through motivations, why you would do this, variations, your max loss, all that stuff. Uh, I'm going to go to the short straddle, which is more of a neutral uh, strategy, which is you're selling one call and selling one put at the same strike. Your risk in this would be unlimited and your reward would be uh, limited. And you have two break-even prices. Uh, volatility hurts this position. You just you if you are short a straddle, you just want it to hang out like right where you sold it, right at your strike, and you would collect the premium of you know whatever it was. 
And then again, the website tells you, gives you examples, profit and loss diagrams, all that stuff. So I encourage anyone that, you know, you're looking to getting into new strategies. Uh, you're a little bit curious on different uh, ways you can make money. It's kind of, I did notice something when, I, when we were talking about doing this and I was going to pull up the website. I need to add a search function on the website. I didn't realize we don't even have one so that people can just search for, you know, whatever, iron butterfly, short straddle, whatever, and be able to find it easily. Cause now you just have to go through uh, each one of the little tabs like bullish option strategies, but I want it to be easy where people can uh, quickly just search for, you know, whatever, like buying a call or whatever. Nice, yeah, that'd be cool if the search functionality could somehow also uh, maybe pull up the links to the YouTube videos that are there, because I know we've had uh, some videos there that have probably shown up on the website that we created on YouTube that cover some of those strategies. So that would be cool, too, if that search could, you know, search the entire site. And then if somebody wanted to watch a video on it, of how to put the trade on, you know, they could have that as well. Yeah, uh, should it must probably be easier if I just added the videos to each um, page. I'll probably do that instead of having, because I don't know if I can search just from the description of YouTube because it's embedded. So mm -hmm. I might just add the videos, you know, whatever, like this video to, uh, you know, the straddle page or whatever, and someone can watch it that way. Gotcha. Yeah, and I would say on the straddle, because you were talking about the long straddle or buying the straddle, I would say to a good time uh, <clears throat> in general when you're buying options, it's always good to be buying when implied volatility is really low. That's what kind of screwed me, to be honest. Um, on space, one time I bought a straddle on space, and uh, they just didn't make the move. Uh, I forget how far they had to move. They had to make a pretty decent move for me to become profitable, and they just didn't do it. And I think if I would have waited for a time when implied volatility was a lot lower and the options pricing was a lot cheaper, that would have been a lot better um, because then they wouldn't have had to make as big of a move uh, for me to be profitable. So I think for you know, a situation like that when IV is really low, it would be a good time to go long and straddle. Um, I remember one time as well, I want to say it was on Tesla maybe. I did a similar thing. I can't remember if I bought a straddle or bought an iron butterfly or something on them, and then they just traded completely. It was a weekly then they just traded completely flat and like you guys got to be kidding me because I've sold, you know, iron condors and stuff like that on you guys. And, you know, it worked out most of the time. I was max profit most of the time. But then, you know, they have their times when they get really volatile, volatile. And I think they had burned me a few times. And I was like, man, I'm going to buy this time because these guys are so volatile and so crazy. And then it just ended up being max loss. So, yeah, definitely always a good idea to when you're buying uh anything including the straddle just you know try to do it when iv is low that way you can you know have a better chance at making profit yes that is a very good point anytime you go long any option if you do it when the iv is jacked up you have to think about it all that premium that you're paying for the implied volatility 
it has to move, you know, either whatever it is, a call or put, it has to move in your direction really hard as opposed to if IV is low, then you're not paying as much uh, implied volatility premium, as much time premium on it. So it's, yeah, if IV is low, that's the time to buy. Uh, IV is high, that's the time to sell because typically uh, the stocks, when you're selling, they don't make as big a move as implied volatility says. So, yeah, that was a very good point. Any, and that's not just for these strategies. It's for anything. Anytime you buy an option, don't do it when IV is high. Yeah, definitely some of the trades I've made where I wasn't really paying attention and IV was high. And then uh, I didn't do it a lot, but most of the time, I honestly, I don't ever really remember making a profit when I just went out and straight bought a call, to be honest, unless it was something like maybe far to expiration, like a year out, you know, two years out, something like that. Um, I don't really remember really making a lot of profit on that out of the money options anyways, in the money. I think I've been a lot better. I think I bought like an in the money call on Fisker. And they had a nice run up and I dumped it, but out of the money, yeah, it's been definitely tough uh, for me to make money on uh, out of the money options when IV is super high if I'm buying. So, um, yeah, for sure. All right. That is uh, kind of a perfect segue. Everything you said, uh, that last part, to go into any trades that we're looking at next week. And one that I'm looking at, but I don't think I'll be able to get into is your favorite Virgin Galactic. <laughs> I would love to buy a put on these guys because their IV percentile. I didn't realize IV percentile is only 14 right now. And they're actually uh, in a, uh, what the hell is this called? Like the tightest squeeze that you can get. Like it's just been trading so sideways. The Keltner channels and Bollinger bands are just smashed together. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee Monday morning this thing sells off like hotcakes after that new that news that they just so happen to drop at like seven o'clock in the evening after the markets were closed. <laughs> yeah, they picked a they picked a perfect time. Yeah, that's a great point right there. Like you're saying, if you would have saw all this stuff when the market was still open on Friday and you're like, man, these guys are going straight sideways, IV is super low. I'm going to buy a straddle. That would have been perfect. You know, you may not know whether you're going to go up or down, but IV is super low. Options are really cheap. And then, like you're saying, bam, terrible news story comes out. So, yeah, they've got the FAA thing going on, which I haven't seen any resolution to. I guess they did like the flight deviation or something. And then the one you're talking about later on after hours when nobody could, you know, respond to it, that's going to hit uh, probably pre-market um tomorrow and yeah i definitely see them uh tanking because that's just way the way they go with uh these news stories they're definitely a very you know news driven stock one little thing comes out about them and they go to the moon or you know they go to zero so yeah honestly i'm uh gonna be happy about it if they tank and they fall like below 20 or something or 15 or something crazy like that. I mean, I wouldn't mind this bad news coming out and them selling off super hard in the short term because that just gives me an opportunity to feel more comfortable to go long again. Because I think last time I bought them at like 16 bucks and then they went to 60. So if I could see them down 
and get beat down a little bit in the short term, I'm going to be happy. Oh, yeah, if they hit 15, I'm definitely going long again. Because <laughs> whenever they do get all their stuff squared away and, you know, if they do start taking these people, you know, these private citizens of space and they're charging 250 grand a seat, oh, my goodness, these guys are going to be pumping in some serious revenue. So, yeah, space to 15, that would be uh, that'd be sweet. Um, was there anything else you were looking at? There's just one other one, and I want you to pull this up because this candle is freaking disgusting, man. And this is one that we used to play a lot during the crash, and I don't know how I feel. I think this is a short situation. We're going to be selling calls. Dave and Busters, so P-L-A-Y. Look at this earnings candle, dude. Oh, what the heck? So they surged and then it just dumped? Yeah, I don't even, I didn't even read the earnings, but as a technical trader, I can tell you that is a disgusting, rude candle and not looking good. I mean, they drove it up like, oh, space or sorry, plays going to 100 and then no, nope, it's coming all the way back. Down. Yeah, and oh, like, if is they they like stopped right at that 21. Yeah, with this whole Corona stuff going on. And I, I just and I haven't seen um God, I was just thinking about this. There's a lot of stuff that was like closed uh, during the whole Corona. Like you, you know, don't look at me. You're going to get me sick crap mm-hmm. that I'm seeing, especially with like uh, sporting events coming back. I'm seeing commercials for it and I haven't seen a Dave and Buster's commercial in forever. So I don't know if like they don't have the capital to do it or they just, they're not willing to open up. Like, I don't know. I'm, probably thinking too much into it like i'm on the freaking board or something but it they're not advertising we have one that's supposed to be being built should be finished soon in our town so i would think that they'd be advertising and you know i haven't seen a commercial for it so i don't know if, like i said they don't have the capital for the advertising or they're just not comfortable doing it yet because they're also thinking you know god we're going to get all shut down again you know go through this you know the whole lockdown crap Right. Um, yeah, that is pretty insane. They've kind of been for a few weeks consolidating. Uh, looks like around or in between that 30 range and then up around that 39 range for quite a while. And then that crazy candle uh, Friday. But uh, yeah, I'd say if they <clears throat> start to sell off tomorrow, go below that 21 and close below there. Um, yeah, I'd probably be selling calls. I mean, even, I guess, depending on where you could sell those calls to, like, I don't know what, you know, the 41, 42 call even pays right now. I guess I could look at it, but, um, you know, if you could get a decent amount of credit for a spread up there or something, that might not be a bad area because, uh, apparently that price point got rejected pretty hard. looking at it right now like even on an october monthly oh yeah it's not paying a lot it's too far from the money but the 45 50 five wide yeah it doesn't even pay that much if you want to look up to the 40 which is a little closer that one pays about a hundred bucks but yeah that's it's kind of a weird uh kind of a weird candle for sure i've seen tesla do crap like that before i remember one earnings um uh, they 
I sold an iron condor on them and they the implied volatility of course was through the roof so they had to move like five hundred dollars in either direction to go in the money and they did that they had some insane oh. surge up and then they sold back down and this is like all in after hours trading and then they sold off hard below and then the buyers drove it all the way back up and then it just finished like even for the day and I was like, well, those options are going to be worthless tomorrow. Like, they didn't do anything. Like, kind of like this situation where they had this insane pump. And then, nope, going right back to where we, you know, started or something. Some crazy candle. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything you were looking at? Um, Nothing in particular. I've kind of got my normal things that I've been trading on. Uh, the past few months. Let me see, because I was looking at, or last week I got stuff on. KRE was my last position there. Let me see here. No, I've got a lot of stuff. I do not have the October positions on right now. Um, you know, I was thinking MJ. They, I thought this 17 put for September was going to be safe, because they, I'm pretty sure they've been getting beat down for a while. Let me pull up their daily chart right now. Yeah, I mean, they MJ, they've been selling off since that stupid run to 34. Ever since then, it's just really been a slow, you know, bleed out. It's just down, down, down. They've been kind of hanging around that 21, staying below it, down, 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 down. And I'm like, these guys, you know, how are they going to get continue to get beat down? So at some point, I sold a 17 put for September, and that thing is a buck 40 or so in the money. Um so I'm just thinking at some point these guys have got a rebound. Um, so I'm probably going to do a put on them for October. Um, and then let's see what else we got here. October positions. already got the Qs. Uh, so I got a call spread on the Qs for October. Uh, S- maybe SMH. So these guys for September, I sold a five wide call spread on them the short was 260 and they immediately pumped and went in the money and then they kind of died off and now they're cooking again uh both legs are pretty deep in the money right now so i might go sell a call spread on smh for october uh, let me see what their chart is looking oh yeah they just been cooking geez what is this like the nasdaq chart just been like going up since like <laughs> A, for a year they've been cooking but uh so i might go call side on that because they are they have been cooking pretty good lately with that run above the 21 um and then you know tlt i don't think i got a yeah i don't have a october position on tlt and i think they've been treating me pretty well i think maybe one month this year i may have had a partial loss on them but every other month has been max profit so tlt is probably a good one and then uso so this one is one cent in the money for september um they've been kind of flattening out and hanging out around that 21 so yeah i might look at uso as well i think that's the uh oil etf okay there's one i forgot to mention that I was looking at, and that's H O O D, which is Robinhood. Oh yeah. And I think these guys are going to hit their IPO price. Like I don't like them. There's so much negative news. I'm 
pretty much bearish on the market right now. I think we're way overextended and we're ready for a pullback, which typically happens in September anyways. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for everything to pull back, and Robinhood is just a crap stock, crap company that I really would love to see them. Like they had, they can't break above this trend line that I've drawn. Let's just level that. They can't finish above about 42 mm-hmm. anymore. And I really think they're going to hit their IPO price, which I think what was it like 38 bucks before they ripped off their customers? Mm-hmm. It was like what they charged them 39 dollars or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think they're gonna hit their IPO price for sure. If you know, not. Uh, so in the news, also with them is everyone's crying about uh, because they lost money the payment for order flow, mm-hmm. and you know they're talking about um, making it illegal to do that anymore. Which it, it honestly it doesn't really hurt anyone like it's the only high frequency traders are the ones doing it and it's not really jacking the price up too bad or you know shorting it too bad it's just it's it's not that big of a deal but it sounds shady so mm-hmm. just like you know shorting a stock everyone's freaking out about right now because they just don't look into stuff very good and 80 percent of robin hood's uh, revenue came from payment for order flow so if they make that illegal robin hood's done Robin Hood to zero. <laughs> yeah. And it's so weird. Like, I don't understand how this is a new thing. I remember learning about this, oh, God, years and years ago that Robin Hood did it. And then I looked into it, and every company does it. Like, I saw some stupid meme that was going around saying, go to uh, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and someone else because they don't do payment for order flow. Yeah, they do. They just don't do it as much as. Uh, Robinhood, that's why you have to pay commissions on options and over-the-counter stuff is because, like, just like using Facebook, uh, Gmail, stuff like that, if you're getting something for free, then you are the product. Like, you, there's nothing free in life. It, it, just, you know, just deal. It's not like, it, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't want to get on this freaking soapbox <laughs> get on this episode, but it's just... It's not what you think it is, and look into it more. Like, dark pools aren't that bad. They're not destroying your freaking capital because you lost money. Like, just look into it a little more and it with an open mind instead of thinking, you know, you lost money, so therefore stock market evil. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I got away from Robin Hood, too, because, like, you know, like you're saying, oh, yeah, no commissions and, you know, seems great and everything until you actually trade in it and then you start trading or you compare to other platforms and you kind of see, well, shit, TD is going to sell me or going to give me a fill on this contract of 100 bucks. But if I do it in Robinhood, they're only going to give me 95. And it's like, like you're saying, nothing's free. Like you're going to, you think you're getting some great deal from some great broker and then you can't get into your account for two days during volatile times and like, <laughs> you know, then you're out a bunch of money so um yeah i think i saw a meme uh i was looking through stock memes and i saw a meme about robin hood and there's some little kid saying oh i lost thirteen thousand dollars in my robin hood account and then I think it was the dad. I was like, oh, but you saved 3000 in commissions. <laughs> like, there's, you know, there's the silver lining, right? Uh, 
So probably because you couldn't get into your account for a couple of days, but yeah, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, like, and I like their little spiel, like uh, democratizing the stock market and all you millennials come trade with us and we're going to screw the big guys, you know, let's take over the world. And then, you know, you look at it and they're like feeding the big guys. <laughs> and they're just like, it, they are probably, that's why I don't trade with them anymore. Is I would, if I ever saw just strictly for my own peace of mind, if I ever saw Robin Hood making a move higher and I could trade it, I wouldn't, I would only trade them to the downside because I think they're, disgusting like i live that's when when i was trading with robin hood that's the first time i ever traded options and i didn't know a damn thing about options and they were allowing me to leverage all of my account plus some because if you pay for robin hood plus or whatever it is you get margin even though you don't have you know two thousand dollars or whatever it's supposed to be in your account so it's like they don't care about their customers they're only bottom line they don't care about democratizing uh the stock market, it's just like, I, I hate Robin Hood. And, you know, that dude that commented that, screw you for making a video supporting Robin Hood that didn't watch the video that said that I don't like Robin Hood. Here, here's a podcast, too. I hate Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I hate it, too, when, like, people uh, don't really listen to what you're saying in your videos. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but... You know, I think there was one on Clover where I was kind of talking about like, oh, they had, you know, earnings and they had this fat miss on earnings per share. And then, you know, the stock started selling off. And it's really just like an observation of, hey, earnings happened. Uh, the earnings per share was not really what people were expecting. And now the thing's selling off. And then I had people all pissed off in the comments like, oh, well, you need to look into it more because their earnings were good. And that's not the reason why it's selling off. And I'm just like, uh, that's not what I said. <laughs> if you want to listen to my video, that's not what I said. But yeah, I think people are, I don't know, just pissy when they're, you know, investing in these crap stocks or these crap companies and then they lose money or, you know, whatever happens to them, they're, you know, trading in Robinhood and they can't get into their account for a day or two during the coronavirus crash. It's then, a cult. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> It's freaking nuts. And then all these shill YouTube a-holes that are out there. Like I was watching, like one of the first YouTubers, I'm not going to mention the name, but when I started trading, he's like a swing trader on YouTube, super, super big right now. Mm -hmm. He was talking about Clover and he's like showing these uh, levels that they were trading at. And he's like, yeah, they hit this level and then all of a sudden this short attack comes through and they get beat back down. It's like, no, dick. How about technical traders like me saw it hitting that level? They couldn't break through, so they shorted it. Or they sold whatever they had long, knowing that it was going to make a run to that. Like, everyone is, oh, my God, I'm the freaking, we need to end this, and I'm going to get it. Everything is not hedge funds. Everything is not shorting. Everything is not the dark pool. Like, everyone is just so into bitching and crying about why they lost money, how it's not their fault. It is your fault. Like, I get it. Like, it, no matter what, the stock market's rigged against you. If you're not a big bank, it's rigged against you because you don't have the money to move the market. But you can still trade sh smartly and not lose money by just buying something that someone on Reddit said 
to go buy. Like it's, you know, that is the reason you lost money. It's not the hedge funds. It's not the dark pools. It's not the big banks. Get over it and move on. Yeah, like Clover recently had that. Yeah, let me see what it was, actually. I don't even know what the percentage was on it, but they had that fat day where they moved, like, let's see here. Yeah, from $9 all the way up above a, of 11 at one point. It's like a $2 move. So, yeah, when people saw that kind of a move, um, yeah, they took profits, I'm sure, because, like, you get that kind of a move out of a stock that, uh, you know, has such insane short interest and people are, you know, highlighting all these financial problems with the stock. Yeah, people are going to sell. And that's exactly what happened like the next three days. See, that's why the dude on YouTube, like I unsubscribed from him after I saw that video is because he, he knows better. He like like I said, when I started trading a long time ago, I was watching his videos. He's one of the first people when I started getting active was one of the first people I started looking into. So to say, oh, it was a short attack, dude, get the freak off of it. And you're so full of crap. You're sitting here just you're catering to what's you know hot right now. And that's the apes and Wall Street bets and evil hedge funds and crap like that. It's like, dude, don't be a freaking shill. Like anytime it's hilarious. Like you're saying about people freaking out over Clover in the comments and stuff. Go over to Weeble, man, and just type in, well, they might hit resistance here. Oh, he's an evil shill from the hedge funds. Get him the hell out of here. Blocked, blocked. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Just telling you what I saw on the chart, man. Oh, man, that's hilarious. It's great. It's great fun. I'm glad I deleted, like, all of my social media because I didn't want to deal with drama. And then I go over to, you know, trading and stocks and still got to deal with the idiots. Oh, man. Yeah, these people that think Clover is going to go to 500 like GameStop. It's like, good luck. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They might. Like the 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 short interest is really high. It's really stupid. But why don't you trade it smartly? Like me with AMC, I saw if they broke through this level that they couldn't before, I was going to go long, and I set my stops up under that, knowing that you know I might lose a little bit of money. But why that? I just I don't get it, man. It's just I I guess I kind of get it, like trying to suck the float up. But it's just I, I could never do that, like invest all my money into some crap stock that should be bankrupt by now and they're just being held up by a bunch of people on reddit like and hope that it works like I, i'm not into hoping anymore yeah i think like maybe early on i was into that more risky stuff and doing stuff like that and uh now it's just like yeah i'm not gonna put my money into you know clover and gamestop and amc and those type of companies it's like i gotta put my money elsewhere you know in legitimate companies or you know trade the indexes uh high probability trading stuff like that because yeah i mean if i just like bought another one i cover a lot on the channel because i know a lot of people are interested in it is uh well i mean clover as well you just they had this run up to 28 i know a lot of people bought at that point because they thought it was gamestop they thought it was going to 500. Oh man, I just know people blew their accounts because it started down around like seven, eight bucks. And then it started to make these big moves. And I'm sure a lot of people were buying, buying, buying. And they just thought it was going to go higher, higher, higher. And then once it hit 29, well, and since then, it's just been pretty much a beat down or consolidation. And 
it's just like how long are you going to hang out six months a year five years if they don't go bankrupt before then while you're just waiting for you know this epic squeeze like what i mean you could be doing high probability options trading or something in the meantime if just buy dia or buy spy i mean just you're going to make more money in the meantime than just hanging out while a stock gets beat down by the hedge funds yeah that's what i'm saying it's just i don't get the just averaging down on these crap companies and then bitching about how you know you're losing money because of something else it's like if you're like trade it smartly i it's i don't know man it's so freaking frustrating but i'm a stupid shill that works for hedge funds or something like that so whatever <laughs> i think topic number two for every episode is going to end up being you know clover <laughs> and these type of stocks and people being ticked off because you know they lost money investing in a crap company yep <laughs> all right man that's all i had for the day my freaking blood pressure is all high now <laughs> yeah same here man <laughs> all right uh okay I'll, I'll catch you on the next one man all right man catch you later bye bye Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos. So you can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to WSTrades.com. Thanks again.